come, uh, uh, come up after the service or something and say, hey, you were talking about this, but just later on in the passage, it talks about this. How does that sort of fit in? It's great to, to always be going back to the Bible and see what the, the guy that's standing up here is saying stuff that's actually in the Bible. So, that's, uh, so I'd encourage you to, to do that. Uh, so grab your Bibles if you have got them. But uh, I'm excited about this, this series, just a real quick um, overview about how the, the, the mechanics of it, how it's going to work. This series is a, is a little bit different. It's been born out of the conversations that, uh, that we've been having as elders for the last six months. And because of that, and, and there's about 10, uh, there's going to be about 10 weeks in this series, and because it's been born out of those conversations, I'm going to be doing the entire series. Now, you can sort of think 10 weeks... Uh, you, you, you're going to probably get pretty sick of me over 10 weeks solid, and I'll probably get pretty tired uh, d- trying to do that. Uh, so how this is going to work is that I'm going to do a couple of weeks. I'm going to do two, and then uh, uh, Shane and Lyndon is heading up a team uh, that is going to be uh, looking at the book of Ephesians, which is going to dovetail into this series really nicely. So I'm going to do a couple of weeks. They'll do a couple of weeks. Then I'll do a couple of weeks, and that we'll just we'll just tandem that those two series together. So it's going to take the the term one and term two essentially to get through this. Uh, these two series together. Uh, but that's basically how it's going to work. We'll have, obviously, family camp, and we'll have uh, Mother's Day or Father's Day, uh, and, and amongst those, sort of Easter will be in there as well. So it'll take uh, the first two terms to get through that, But the, these two series. But that's how we're going to do it. And you can probably see, as you've walked in, perhaps a few things around the, the place that, uh, that hint that there's a few things that are going to be just a little bit different around this series. But hey, before we get into it, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the church. We thank you that we can gather here together as a church and that we can uh, be together, that we can pray together, we can sing together. We thank you that we can sing uh, incredible lyrics and, uh, and enjoy the, a, a time of, of worship together. And now as we open your word and start to think about the church and what is the church, what is this uh, this group of people that you have put here on this earth and that you have redeemed through Jesus, what, are, what is the church all about? And we just ask that as we go through this series that it would be helpful for us, that it would be formative for us, and that it would uh, start to mold us, shape us, and change us where necessary. So, Lord, we ask for your blessing on this time. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would guard my mouth from error so that it wouldn't lead anyone astray. And that we would enjoy just walking through this, this time together and, and, and learning together. So we give you thanks and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been around this place for a while, and I'm talking a fair while, if you remember back in the 90s, uh, if you were around here in the 90s, you probably possibly remember that my wife Sonia, she wasn't my wife at that particular time, uh, she went to, uh, and was about late 95 or 96 uh, across to Canada for a year. Yeah, many of you will remember, would have been around when, when she did that. Uh, and she stayed up in northern Alberta. By the way, Cape and Ray students, hey, welcome. First time here today, yeah? Some of you, first time today. Uh, and I say that right then and there because of any of you from Canada. It's usually someone from Canada. Whereabouts in Canada? Manitoba. That's all. Well, welcome, guys, all of you and the, and the Canadians, especially because this is a Canadian story. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, so, so she went to northern Alberta, uh, way, way uh, up north, and uh, we got the opportunity a few years ago while we were living in, in Kentucky to, to go up there and, and, and visit. 
So we, uh, we flew into Edmonton, and if you're familiar with Canada, Edmonton is already a long way north, and then we had to travel another six hours north. Okay, so it's a long car, long car rides. Canadians are used to long car rides. And so, uh, but, the, but the thing with Canada is that when you're, particularly when you're going through Alberta, it's just flat. And northern Alberta is really flat. And they grow peas and canola and I think wheat. And that's about it. And so you're just driving for miles and miles and miles and hours and hours and hours looking at either peas, canola or wheat in the fields beside you. And it is boring. It is dead boring. And so, so I'm, I'm in the car, uh, Wayne, who's the, who's the, the, the host dad that, that uh, Sonia, um, Wayne and Val, that was the couple that Sonia stayed with. Uh, Wayne's in the front seat, and, and I'm in the front seat there as well. I can't remember who was driving. We're just driving along these dead flat, dead straight roads. And he says to me, you know what, something's interesting about this road? And I kind of think, kind of think to myself, I hope there's something interesting, because everything else around is not interesting. Um, he said, this, this road just goes directly north. It's just a dead straight arrow north. Thought, okay, well, that's mildly interesting. And then there's just like peas and canola and wheat for just miles and miles and miles. And then a little while later, he says, hey, you know what? About 10 minutes up, up ahead, there's a curve in the road. <laughs> like, really, have we got to that point where, where our tour guide is pointing out a curve in the road? Is it that boring? And you know what? About 10 minutes up, there's a small curve in the road. Uh, and he says to me after that, he says, he says, do you know what that was? And I'm thinking, I'm, my mind is just numb here from the boredom. Is, is there anything interesting about that? And he said, that what, back there, they adjusted the road for the curvature of the earth. We're now going directly north again. I thought, wow. Okay, that's interesting. See, we'd been traveling directly north so far, and, 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 the, and the, the Canada is so vast that they actually had to just slightly adjust the road for the curvature of the earth so that they would be pointing directly north again. I thought that's a really, A, it's really interesting, geographically. B, that's a really interesting parallel to our Christian life and our life as a church, I think. See, our intention as a church is to always be pointing towards Christ. Absolutely. And that's our intention. That's, a, that's the Bible Chapel's history, is to always be pointing towards Christ and drawing people along and pointing towards Christ. But we live in a world, and the world doesn't allow us just to always drive straight. And our, our best intentions to go straight actually sometimes just get pulled a little bit by the world, which is not flat, it's curved, it's a, there's a curvature there. And so sometimes we just need to, sometimes we need to make, make slight minor alterations and, and, and minor minor adjustments to make sure that we're still pointing directly to Christ. And that's, a, that's a, something that we have to do always in our own personal lives. That's every generation uh, and every group of church leadership always needs to be doing that, to always be bringing us back to Scripture and thinking, is there some, is there some way in which we can just be a little more faithful here? Uh, we have, as, a, as I said, as a, as a church our intention has been, as long as I can remember, and I know from, from, our, from the forefathers back in our, in our uh, brethren history, if you want to call it that, uh, has always been to point us towards Christ. But it's every generation's responsibility to continually look at maybe there's just a little bend, in the, bend that we have to take in order to, to continue on that path faithfully. So this series is going to look at a, different, a whole lot of different topics, and we're going to ask along the way, is there, is there ways as a church that we can just make a slight tweak so that we can be just a little more faithful. 
It's important to go back to the expert, expert who is God and what he said in his word so that we can, uh, we can just be a little more faithful. I remember uh, a, a few years ago now, uh, I used to do a little bit of work in the, in the gym. You wouldn't tell it now, but I did, used to a, a, little bit, a little bit ago. And uh, I remember just in there and, and you know, in doing, the, doing the weights, etc., and feeling like it was, it was good, but it wasn't getting the results that I was perhaps hoping. And I went into the gym with my uh, brother-in-law, Lance, who has studied all the, you know, the biomechanics and, and everything, and he's, he's an expert in these things. And he, just ta- just ta- he gave me a couple of tweaks to do as I was doing some exercises, just, just do the exercise just slightly different. And the results were incredible by using it by an expert telling me how to do these things properly or how to do these things according to how the body works, then uh, the, the results, uh, I found the results were, uh, were startling in terms of a, a, a significant difference, at least for me. So along the way, what we're wanting to do here through the series, we're not going to cover everything today, we're going to take about 10 weeks. What we're going to do is continually go back to Scripture and ask, can we be more faithful? As if maybe some little change that can, we can, have, can happen along the way. I'll give you a little heads up. As we go through the series, there are going to be a handful of little changes that we're, we're looking to, to implement. Some will be pretty minor. One or two of them along the way might have a bit more of an implication. And uh, so that's, that's, that's coming a, along the way. So today we're going to have a look at a selection of, of Scriptures and see what God says about the church. And we're going to ask the question, what is the church? Maybe the question should be, who is the church? But anyway, let's have a look at the question, what is the church? And I want to first just very, very quickly just run through a handful of things that the church is not, okay? Because I think it's sometimes we get a bit of a picture, and we use the word church a lot, and, uh, and I want to just to suggest it's uh, of, of a handful of things that the church is not. Firstly, the church is not an organization, and that's, a, that's an interesting uh, point to make. And I think uh, we would, uh, for those of you that have been in the church for a little while, you'd probably, at least in your mind, think, yeah, okay, I, I get that. The church is a group of people, yeah? The church is a, a group of people. And yet we often, certainly the, the world outside looks at us, you know, the IRD looks at us as a nonprofit organization. And the, the, the rest of the world looks at us probably as an organization similar maybe to a social club or, or the likes. And so we just need to realize that that, 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 uh, that that kind of idea is there, but we are not uh, primarily, we are not an organization. There's nothing wrong with being organized, of course, but we're not an organization. We're not a, we're not a business. We're not here to, to turn a profit. We're not here to, to bring in money. Uh, you'll notice that in this church, there's not a massive emphasis on collecting money. We have an opportunity to give money every, every, uh, every week, but there's not a big emphasis on that, um, and that, that we don't push that a lot. So the, so, the, so the church is not an organization. Here's something that perhaps we, uh, that, that, that may, maybe we uh, unintentionally use the word church for a lot. The church is not a Sunday service, all right? And just, just, as, a, just as we, as we work, work through this, we'll tease this out a little bit. The church is not a Sunday service. Sorry, the church is not a Sunday service. Yet oftentimes we will refer to it as coming along to church, don't we? And that, and that just pops out of our, our mouths all the time. And look, that, that's fine, but we just want to make sure that we're clear in our minds that the church is not a Sunday service. The church also isn't a building. Now, here's one that, that, that if you ask the, 
anyone out there that's not part of the not part of the church, uh, anyone out there in the in the in society, ask them what a church is. They'll probably point you to a building. Say, well, there's a church over there. There's a church. There's, I live in, in Cambridge. Have lived in Cambridge for a little while, and it's pretty pretty common to hear that you know as you drive in from Hamilton to Cambridge, there's this beautiful church. There's a beautiful white church on the on the corner. Actually, no, it's a beautiful historic building that a church has used, and it, and it is, it's a beautiful building, um, a beautiful white building there, uh, but, we, and, but we sometimes use the word church to refer to a building, and so I just want to uh, suggest and, and, and start, to, start us to, to think along the lines of these things that are not the church in terms of, in terms of how we use it. Here's a, here's a small little challenge, and I put this out there as a very grain of salt kind of challenge. Um, because the last thing I want to do is to suggest that you know, thou shalt do this when the Bible doesn't say that thou shalt do, do this. But can I suggest to, 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 to you in terms of a little challenge, just to, to, just to capture, in, in terms of as we speak, capture how we use the word church. One of the things I've been trying to, trying to do uh, with, with when we talk about it just in our family is that, hey, on Sunday we're going along to the church service. It's not we're going along to church, we're going along to the church service. We're going to meet with the church because the church is the people, right? And, and uh, or where, whereabouts is that is this particular thing found? Oh, we're gonna. F- you'll find that in the in the chapel, or in the building, or in the church building. Okay, so just th- those those sort of usages. I just want I just want to put that out there. And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. There's a there's it's got to be a reason why I'd su- suggest that. When we use the word church for something like a building, or an organisation, or a gathering, think about the gathering. If we use the word church for a gathering, church then becomes something we attend. Think about that, the church being the Sunday morning gathering. If we were to use it in that context, church becomes something that we attend, and then at 12 or 11.30, 12 o'clock-ish, we walk away from, and then we come back to it next Sunday. And I think that even, even just that usage has flowed, in, flowed into how we think about church. It does become just a Sunday morning kind of idea. If we think about it as a, as a building, think, think about along those lines. If we think about it and use the, the word church as, a, as referring to a building, then what, do we do as a, what we do as a church then starts to revolve around a building. And don't get me wrong, this building's fantastic. It's a gift from God. We should be, we celebrate it and be thankful for it. But, if, we're, if, but if, we're, if everything that we do as a church revolves around this building, again, ministry starts to have to happen inside a particular set of four walls. We are the church 24-7. We're out there being the church 24-7, and a lot of our ministry needs to happen out there, yeah, as we're engaging with the world. So, anyway, just a small little challenge about the usage of the word church as we walk through this series, What is a Church? So that was just a very quick rundown about what the church is not. But what does the Bible say the church is? Firstly, the church is a body. Uh, I've got this uh, section of Scripture up on, on the screen there as a, uh, just because it's a fair chunk. Uh, feel free to turn to it in your Bible. From 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 20 and verse 27. Four, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. There we go. We're all baptized into one body one group together, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, 
that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing, or where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And verse 20 says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So there we go. Pretty clear reference to the church, us being a body together. We're, we are a group of people. And I think this, this idea of us being a body, a group of people together, members who, who, just like the members of a physical body, work together. You can't try and clap your hands with just one hand. It's pretty hard. Okay, you can do it, but it's harder, right? Okay, you, you try and walk out of the building without your legs. It's hard to do. So, so collectively, we are a body, and we, and we work together. And the metaphor's pretty cool and, and, uh, and nice there, and, and, and it works. But I think that really then pushes against the idea of the organization or the enterprise or anything like this. There's a, there's a story from a Bible teacher uh, who, was, uh, who was with a class, who was a, with a classroom of Bible students. And the story goes like this. He was, the, the teacher was telling the, the, retelling the story of what happened in class. Eloquently, I told the class this. Christianity started in Palestine as a fellowship of followers. It moved to Greece and became a philosophy of thinkers. It moved to Italy and became an institution of an empire. It moved to Europe and became a culture. And it came to America and became a business enterprise. After a few moments, Martha, the youngest student in the class, raised her hand. I could not imagine what her question might be. I thought the little story was self-explanatory and I'd performed it brilliantly. Nevertheless, I acknowledged Martha's raised hand. Yes, Martha. She asked a simple question. A business. But isn't it supposed to be a body? I could not envisage where this line of questioning was going, and the only response I could think of was, yes. She continued, but when a body becomes a business, isn't that a prostitute? Blew the, it blew the, the Bible teacher back in his, in, his, in his seat there a little bit, because, because the, I, I think then that starts to really push back on the idea of, of the, the church being some sort of enterprise or, or trying to, here's, here's the thing, put that, that little comment there from that girl, from that uh, student Martha, in the context of how God used to talk about, the, about the, his Old Testament people Israel. And did he not time and time again, especially through the minor prophets, talk to Israel and, and say, why are you prostituting yourself with these other nations, with the, with the rest of the world? And if you read the ESV, it uses some kind of earthy language there. Why are you whoring with the other nations? Why are you, why are you doing that with the? Why are you doing that with the with the world? And I think that we need to just just to let that sink in as to when how we think about ourselves as a church. Are we trying to reflect the world, or are we trying to reflect what God wants of us as a church, as revealed in His Scriptures? So the object of of a church, of the, or the the uh, the goal of a church, is not to be not to be big, not to be flash, not to be performance driven. Certainly not to be like the world. How does the world measure success? The world measures success oftentimes, and we think about it in a Western and business kind of context around numbers and professionalism and a slick, slickness and that sort of thing. And it's and it can be easy for that kind of 
thinking and drive to pop into the, to the church uh, in terms of, you know, counting numbers. Um, and it's good to do things well. And we have a, you know, we have a music team, as an example, who do things well. It's good to do that for the glory of God. But that must never be our goal and how we measure success. Because how does God measure success? I remember a, uh, the, uh, when we were at part of um, Chapel Hill, uh, Chapel Hill Community Church over in, in, in Hamilton, that was many, many years ago, the pastor there, Dr. John Buchanan, I sat down with him for, for lunch or coffee or something one day, and, and, and he was just, he was talking about his time out on the mission field and how, uh, and how, how do you measure success on the, measure, on the mission field? Is it converts? Is it the number of churches you, you plant? And his response was one that, I, that still, I still, still rings in my ears today. He said, the, the only way you can measure success is faithfulness. And I think that's right. How does God measure success? He measures it by our faithfulness. And I know that's a real hard thing to measure. And we, we live in a Western world that likes numbers. And faithfulness is a hard thing to put a number onto, almost impossible to put a num- number onto. But we are a body. We're to be a body. We're not to be, you know, the, those other things, a business, an organization, although it's good to be organized. Uh, but that's not who we primarily are. We are the body of Christ. We're the hands and feet of Christ on the ground. Remember, we talked last year about the fact that Christ is in us. Christ's Spirit dwells within us, and, and, and we are His hands and feet. And collectively, then, we are a body, all, all with different functions, but one body. All right, so that's firstly... The church is a body. Secondly, the church is a family. And this is from 1 Timothy 5 and the first two verses there. Interesting just how Timothy tells us, uh, sorry, Paul telling Timothy uh, to, and, and, the, and the wider church as a result on how to interact together as a, as a church. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, all in purity. Very clearly using a family kind of metaphor there for us. And we are. We describe ourselves as brothers and sisters, don't we? Brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is where it's helpful to think about us as a church being brothers and sisters in Christ, but also the other faithful churches around town and around the country and around the world also being brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a, perhaps an extended wider family in that sense. But here we are a, a family, a tight-knit, close-knit family. And that's, and that's good to realize. We are a, we are a group together, and, and we should be. There should be some tight-knitness together. Now, balance here. Mean uh, the, as a as a fa- as just as you would be or hopefully would be in your family at home, you'd be pretty welcoming to those that come to your door, welcoming the, those that come in and join you for a, for either a while or for a long time. Yeah, and I think as a family, we need to be doing that as well and to be really careful that we are being welcoming to those that come and join us. If you're a visitor here, Cape and Ray guys, I hope you feel that as while you're here and visiting with us, that you feel like a part of the family and that you're welcome here, and that you get to partake in, in everything, and in the, in the ministry, and I know you're going to be in, involved in various parts of ministry, and that's great. And, and anyone that's, just, that's visiting with us, I hope you feel welcome here. We are a family. We are a group together, and, we, and, and I hope you feel as a wonderful, wonderfully loved, welcome guest to our family, and if you want to join our family at some point, that's going to be a fantastic thing to do as, as well. But there's some implications with that, isn't there? 
there's some implications. I, I think about my family. I think about Sonia and Ashley and uh, Sam and Jack. I, I love them. And I know them. I know them really well. I do life with them. I correct them when necessary. And yes, they correct me when necessary. And it's, we get into this weird age with, with kids when there's a whole bunch of you know, young adults in the house and uh, it's becoming more and more that they're correcting me in, uh, in things practical and other uh, around the place. But we correct each other when necessary. And I think so, th- so these things have implications as, as we live together as a church. The early church, they lived life together. If, if you go back through church history, it's really evident, even in through the book of Acts, you can see that uh, a lot. They were in each other's lives. They corrected each other when necessary. You have a look at 1 Corinthians 5. You have a look at Matthew chapter 18. You have a look at Galatians chapter 6. That was what they did. That was what, how they interacted. They, were, they loved each other enough to help each other spiritually mature. I love my kids, so when I see them doing something that's not godly, I talk to them about it. And I do that lovingly. And even and as they're coming to, into, into adulthood, more and more, it's less of me being a cop, but more of me being a, like a, a coach or, a, or coming alongside them as a fellow adult and say, hey, this, as you, you're an adult, this is, how, this is how a Christian operates in this, in this area. This is how, the, how the God's Spirit, Christ's Spirit working in you should, should look in your life. And that's what we need to be doing with each other. If we love one another, we will be living as brothers and sisters. Now, we're going to look at that in a couple of weeks' time as we continue on through the series. We'll look at that a bit more. Uh, but there's implications there. Okay, so the church is a, is, is a body. The church is a family. The church is also God's temple. It's referred to as a temple. Uh, we're going to have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's Spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. All right, a couple of things to note about this. This is where our English language just lets us down a, a little bit, and our time in Kentucky uh, helped us a little bit because the guys in the American South have a fantastic word. You probably, possibly, not a lot of you know this word already. It's the word y'all. All right? So, so I, if, we were to, if I was to, re, to address you as a group, I wouldn't say you as a group. I'd say y'all as a group, yeah? Because in English, the word you can mean you individually or it can mean you collectively, yes? Uh, so, in, in Greek, there was two different words for you individual or you collectively, you, you, you singular, you plural. The you in this sentence is plural. Every time you see the you in these, in these two verses, it's plural. Do you know that? Do you, so we'll, use, we'll, we'll be a little bit southern here. Do you know, not know that y'all are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in y'all? If anyone destroy, destroys God's temple, he will, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and y'all, y'all are that temple. You've heard, the, you've heard the expression, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You look at every reference within the New Testament to the, to the body or the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it's always plural you. It's always y'all, okay? Maybe that's a word that we should just, English grammatarians would, turn, yeah, would keel over, but maybe it's a word that we need to, to introduce a little bit more. It's, it's always plural you. So, we're talk, so we collectively, yes, we individually, of course, uh, the Holy Spirit lives within us, so therefore that we are part of that temple, but we collectively are the temple of God. Notice how important God's temple is? 
if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Now, that makes a whole lot more sense now when we're talking about collectively, doesn't it? If, anyone, if, if we were thinking about it as individuals, we think if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Well, hold on, if someone kills a Christian, no, God doesn't necessarily just go in and, and, and destroy that person. But if God, if, if, if God if the verse is talking about God's people collectively, the temple collectively in terms of uh, God's church, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you all are that temple. Notice how and what emphasis and what importance God puts on His church. And, and if, the, that, if you're familiar with Old Testament temple narratives, uh, through, particularly through the uh, first five books of the Bible, then you'll realize that the temple uh, is, where, is, the, is where the presence of God dwelt, and God put a whole lot of emphasis and a whole lot of holiness wrapped around His temple. So it's important. God's temple, God's church is important. If anyone destroys God's church, God will destroy him. God's, God is jealous for his church. Interestingly, this is the closest reference we ever have to the church being a building. And yet it's not a building. It's us. It's us as collectively being the building or being this temple. It's not an auditorium. It's not a physical building. It is us. But it also... The Bible also refers to, and if you, if you want to have a look at some 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and following, talks about us being built. 1 Peter also talks about uh, us being built. 1 Peter 2, 5, you yourselves are like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. We are being built. One thing that, we're, that I'm, my intention is to keep coming back to time and time again through this series, but probably, hopefully, just, all, just over the years, is this idea of us being built, of us being formed of us being formed as a group spiritually uh, and uh, us being built up. Romans 12, 2 says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and that we need to be continually formed by God's Word. Because here's the thing, we will be formed by something. We don't just sort of sit in this world and, and, and we're oblivious to the things that are going on around us. We will be formed by something. So you're either going to be formed by God's Word and be transformed by the renewing of the mind, or you will be formed by the world out there. Can I say that again? You, you will either be formed by God's Word and the teaching of God's Word and the reading of God's Word, or you will be formed by the world. You're going to be formed by something. We grow, we experience we change. You're going to be formed by something. There's a. There was an illustration that uh, uh, just a, yeah that uh, I was uh, told a little while ago uh, by a guy a few years ago, and I thought it was good. Uh, the, he said the Christian life is kind of like walking on a travelator. Have you seen the travelators in the airports? Yeah. Have Have you tried to walk down the wrong way down the travelator? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of fun, right? If there's no one around, you just. It's, it's, it's almost begging you to walk, try and go down the wrong way in the travel. Well, it's kind of, it's, I think the Christian life is a little bit like walking down a travelator against the grain of the, of the travelator. Yeah? Now, if you've experienced it, Robin, you've experienced it, you can make ground, can't you? Yeah? If, you, if, you, you, if you're walking, if you, if you try, you can, you can make ground and go, go forward. But the moment you stop, what happens? You go backwards. And I think, this is, and I think that's, it's, there's, a, there's an analogy there 
I don't want to press that too hard, but I think there's an analogy to the Christian life as well. As you continue in God's strength to strive and continue to, to, to walk forward in, in God's power, and this is not just a just, you know, knuckle up and, and strive, but as you continue to, to take steps forward, then you, you do, you, you progress in your Christian walk. The moment you stop, though, you don't just stop. You don't, it's not neutral because we live in the world and the world is curved yeah? and the world will form us and that travelator will pull, will, will pull us backwards. There's, there's, a, there's a reality there that if we will either be formed by the Word of God or we will be formed by the world. And we need to just realize that. And I don't want you to walk away from that thinking, oh, okay, okay, I need to get in my Bible then again. Okay, I need to read my Bible again. No, what, I want, what I'd like you to hear from that is, there, is the realization that we will be formed by something and what do I desire to be formed by? That's the question that I want you to take away from that. What do I desire to be formed by. If I desire to be formed by God, then okay, I will do things such as read my Bible. I will, I will come to a church service and be, and be formed by others around me and shaped by others around me in, in the teaching of God's Word. All right, so one other little comment on that. One thing in which I think, one area in which I think the world has formed us a lot Unfortunately, the world has formed us an incredible amount <clears throat> is in the area of marriage. I think the, 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 the media, Hollywood, etc., has had a lot of influence as how we view marriage. The term ball and chain, the, the, you know, the, the Homer and Marge Simpson kind of idea of how, how, the, how marriage works. All those, all those kind of ideas, and sorry, there's a bunch of people that may not have, get the Homer and Marge Simpson reference, all those ideas have flown into our marriages and we will either, and, and remember, if we don't get formed by how God sees marriage and the, what the Word of God says about marriage, we will be formed by the world. And I think, his, his, I'm going to go broad here, I don't want to talk, just don't want to point a finger at, at, at us here specifically, but I want us to listen. Broadly, generally, generally, there's a reason why in the Christian community or Christian community, the divorce rate is around about the same, only a couple of percentage points off the divorce rate of the world. And I think that's because we've been formed by the world and how we think about marriage. So, and I don't want us to sound like a, a, a promotion or anything like this, but one, of the, the, but one of the things that we are doing here is we want to put an emphasis on, how, on, on marriage and on how God sees marriage. Um, so, starting next week in the equip classes that run at nine o'clock in the morning, we're we're looking at the idea of marriage, and we want to just be formed by the Word of God and in the area of marriage. It, in, in a room like this, I think 90% plus of the marriages in the room might be experiencing some negative impact on the ground from, an, from the influence of the world forming our views of marriage. And I think I've really underestimated or really understated that, that percentage. So, so... We just want to make that opportunity available. It's in the classroom too, out there at nine o'clock, starting next Sunday. We're going to have a look at what God has to say and trying to be formed by God's word around marriage. All right, we got to carry on. God's God's church, uh, God's the church is God's temple, and God's church is the bride of Christ. We're going to finish up with this one. Ephesians five twenty-five to twenty-seven. 
uh, talking about about uh, husbands and wives, just seeing how that this is uh, the exact mirror of Christ and the church. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her at, to himself as a radiant church. There we go. There's the church, the, the, the bride, the wife of Christ without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You can also have a look at Revelation chapter 19 there if you want to see a bit more about, about the church being the bride of Christ. All right, so the church is Jesus' bride. Now, here's the thing where all the males in the room kind of think, oh, this is kind of weird and un- unusual because I'm married to a, I, I either am married to a woman or would desire to be married to a woman and definitely don't want to be married to a man, yeah? And, this is, this is, and, and Jesus is... A male in in in, uh, in scripture. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, so this is not how do we put this as easily as possible. And this is not kind of a, a a soppy romantic relationship here. This is us as a collective being the thing that Jesus loves the most. Us as a collective being the thing that Jesus loves the most and gave his life up for. The thing on earth most treasured by God, I want to suggest, is the church. The thing on earth most treasured by God is the church. When I think about myself, when I think about Sonia, there is nothing on earth that I treasure more than her. Now, my kids might be thinking, hey, what about us? I love them. But they, if it's God's will, they will some, someday go get married and they will understand that that relationship there is the most close, intimate and, and treasured relationship that you can ever have here on, on earth. And we are Jesus. Collectively, we are the bride of Christ. We are the, we are the thing that Jesus loves the most here on earth. So then there's no, probably no room for the idea uh, that sometimes floats around uh, of I like Jesus, but I don't really like the church much, and I get the I get the I get the drive for that in terms of you know sometimes the the church when we think about the church as an organisation, the church has perhaps got a bit of a, a a bad rap, the church you know perhaps is full of hypocrites, uh, that's the that's the the line that kind of gets thrown out there uh, a lot. Well, the church is full of sinners, yes. The church is full of sinners. The church is full of sinners who have been redeemed by Jesus, and, and Jesus has given up his life for the church. So if you claim to love God but don't love what God loves, then perhaps you don't share the heart of God, and perhaps we need to be looking more at what the church is. There's a story told of a, a man stranded on, a, on an island. Uh, the, and the, a boat comes to rescue the man. And when the, when the guys get off the ship, they see the man there. He's been stranded on this small desert island all by himself for many years. And they see the man there, and they, they, and they welcome him, and he's pretty excited. And they realize that there's three little houses or three little buildings on the, that are just up from the beach. And uh, they kind of say, there's, there's only one of you, right? And, yeah, there's only one of me here. So what, what, what's the deal with the three buildings? Well, he said, well, the first one, that's my, that's my house. That's the house that I live in. And he says, okay, okay, what's the second one? And he says, oh, the second one, that's, that's the church that I go to. Oh, okay. So what's the third one? Oh, that's the church that I used to go to. We don't, we don't, go, we don't talk about them anymore. Funny little story, yeah. But, it, but, but it's only born out of the idea of, A, the church being some sort of 
organization or building or, 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 or collective in that respect. But it also, it also resonates a little bit with us because sometimes we get the idea that, oh, we don't really like the, the church much, so I'm going to go join another church perhaps. Well, Jesus loves the church. Jesus died for the church. And can I say that's, that as a result of that, Jesus loves you. Can we see how amazing and important and special and amazingly loved you are? And can I suggest to you that's not because you're amazing? Sorry. It's because of two things. One, firstly, you're made in the image of God. Genesis 1 tells us that. You're, you're incredible and amazing because you are made in the image of God. And my dog at home is not amazing because she was not made in the image of God. I like her. She's all good. But she's not made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God, and therefore you're incredible. You're amazing. And therefore, all part of humanity is incredible and is amazing, and that's why, we, that's why as Christians, we have something to say about abortion, because every human life is made in the image of God, and so has infinite worth. Yeah? But secondly, but in addition to that, you, might, you are made in the image of God, but then, and, and even though we kind of tarnish that image of God because of our sin, Jesus came to earth to die for that sin and correct that sin and, and, and bring healing to that sin and save you from that sin. That, that is why you are incredible. That is why you are so valued. That is so why you are so special. If, and particularly if I can talk to the, to, to the young people around the place, and there is just an, uh, uh, Steve McClooney mentioned it the other day, uh, there is just an absolute epidemic of depression going through our society. I think it's because as a society, we think we're so good and so amazing when, and because of our own goodness. No, we need to realize that we're not. We are, we are uh, the, the Bible talks about us being, being sinners. If you read Isaiah chapter 40, the, uh, the Bible talks about, about us as being pretty lowly. We get our worth because we are made in the image of God. And then Jesus came to die for, for us. That's where our worth comes from. If you try and devour, derive your worth from anything else, you're going to be di- disappointed. You're going to realize that it's all, uh, uh, all wrong. And so uh, depression uh, it will be a, a reasonably natural outflowing of that. And I know this, sorry, there's a whole lot of other uh, things that flow into that and contribute to that. But there's, a, there's, a, uh, a, there's, there's where we get our, our worth. You see why we can't think of the church as just a, a social club or a, an event that we come to on Sunday. We are a group. Collectively, we are a group who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. He's given up. We are the bride of Christ. He has given up his life for us. We're not just getting together to sing a couple of songs and go home. We're far much. This is far more than that. Can you see the incredible importance of the church? Uh, a, a, a group of people God gave up his, Jesus gave up his very life for. So we've got to take this subject seriously. We're going to do that over the coming weeks, over the couple of, next couple of terms. We're going, to, we're going to talk about how we're going to love one another as a church, how we're going to interact with one, one another as a church. We're going to f- try and be formed by God's word as we and, uh, try and understand what the church is here for, be formed by God's intention for the church so that we together as a church are going to be all the much more richer for it.
Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what you have to say about the church. Lord, I pray that as we as a group uh, together uh, just learn about the church, Lord, I pray that you'd continually change us, that you'd continually form us, that you continually uh, work in our hearts just to uh, draw us closer and closer to who you are and to your intention and your good will and your good plan for the church. So we, uh, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would just uh, continue to work in us as a collective, but also as individuals, that we would uh, honor you and uh, bring glory to you as a group together. So we thank you for this time together, and we pray for your blessing as we, uh, as we continue on and, and enjoy communion together. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so just uh, two.